hardly recognise myself for that introduction. How are you all doing today? You doing well? Isn't it great to be in God's house? Uh, isn't it great to be in God's house? Fantastic. We've had an absolutely amazing time here in the northeast of Scotland. It's been great. We've had some amazing scenery. We've done some amazing things. We've been to your ice cream shop in Fraserburgh. Probably the best ice cream I've ever tasted. It was really nice. And we had some fresh haddock as well. You are blessed up here, I tell you. You are so blessed. And Jonathan, my son, has had a, a great time. He's just loved it. And uh, he was dancing last night, doing the Gay Gordon, and all his dances in this kale. It was amazing. And what blessed me most was the fact he was so tired this morning, I got up before him. He was laying in bed up until we woke him up. See, my son Jonathan normally likes to start his day before I start my day. He's seven years, eight years old. He likes to go up early in the morning. And when he was a child, he used to come out of his bedroom into my bedroom with Diane and put his fingers in my eyes and prize them open. <laughs> I thought, this is not good. So we bought him a little torch to play with in the morning. A little Fireman Sam torch. Who knows Fireman Sam? Little Fireman Sam thought, this is great. That'll keep him busy. Next morning, he comes in. I'm fast asleep, dreaming about my football team winning a game. Very rare event. And I see these flashing lights before my eyes. <laughs> and he's shining the light into my eyes. And what he's saying in his own way is this. Dad, it's been night for far too long. It's been night for far too long. And it's time to get up. A new day has dawned and you need to get up and get on with your life. And God will say to you and me this morning, it's been dark long enough. It's been dark in your family, in your health, in your communities. And it's time for a new day to dawn. Amen? The thing is, we know that God is always moving. God is always moving us into the next level, the next thing. We cannot become static in God. God is a God of movement, He's a dynamic God, and he wants us to be a dynamic, moving people. If you're in the same place as you were five years ago, ten years ago, you've missed something of the heart of God. Because God's desire for you and me is to enter into the fullness of his blessing in our lives. Got your Bibles, you want to turn to Isaiah 43, very familiar passage to most of us. Can you still hear me? Can you still make me out? I'll speak really slowly, I promise. Okay, Isaiah 43 says this. This is reading from the New International Version. It should appear on the screen, perhaps. Isaiah 43 says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements all together. And there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Verse 18, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past, for behold, I am doing something new. Now it springs up, do not perceive it. I am making a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland. Wild animals honor me, jackals and owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, 
a people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. This is not the word of men, it's the word of God. It has contained within it power to save, to heal, to redeem, and to restore. And Father, right now, we just pray your Holy Spirit will blow upon your word. And it will take root in our hearts and bring us through into a new season in our lives. Amen. It's been dark long enough. It's been dark long enough in our communities, in our families, in our own lives. And God's plan for you and me today is that we'll move into a new season of his favor and blessing. The thing is, this passage in Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things. The former things were not bad. The former things were great. But you cannot live in the past. Your past will either be a prison to hold you captive or a passport to bring into something new. If you're living in the past, you can be held captive by it. But God wants to bring us into a fullness of a revelation of who he is and who we are in him. It's a new day. Who would like a new day dawning over their lives? Amen. You see, whether it's in your personal life, whether there's a shadow cast over your life, illness, depression, sadness, there's a new day coming. If it's over your families, if you've got trouble with your children, your grandchildren, there's a new day coming. If you've got problems in your community, there's drugs, alcohol, there's breakdown of families, there's a new day coming. If you've got problems in our nation, and boy do we have problems in our nation, we believe there's a new day coming. See, I live in Rotherham, which is South Yorkshire, and Peter, Dr. Peter Brearley did a study on church attendance in the nation. And guess who came bottom of the list? Rotherham came bottom of the list. On any given Sunday in Rotherham, there is 2.62% of the population in church. The national average is 7.3%. So Rotherham is a very dark place. But let me tell you, North East Scotland is dark. Now, even if we are reaching 10% of our population, we're still not making inroads into the powers of darkness. And God wants to raise up an army today who are so passionate and so committed to his cause that the, cha- the name, nation will be changed. Phrase will be transformed by the power of God. Amen? See, whether it's dark, whether you're dry... Whether you're barren, whether you're broken, whether you're dead inside or there's a drought in your heart, a new day can dawn over your life. I love that great story by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. In that start of that amazing story, it's not the Bible, so do apologize. It says that the white witch had cast her spell over the land. But the, but the beaver said, Aslan is beginning to move. We believe across this nation, this great Britain, the British Isles, we believe that God is moving again by the power of his Holy Spirit. There's life springing up. There's hope springing up. And the darkness is receding and the light is shining. See, the Bible says that we have got a new day. It's a new thing. God's doing a new thing. In the original language of the Greek There's two words for new. One is neos, which means new in time. It's a new time. The other one is kainos. It means a different time. 
something unaccustomed, something new, something fresh. And God does not want to give us the same that we had yesterday. Yesterday's bread goes stale today. We need fresh bread, fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh revelation of our lives today. If we are living off an experience that took place 25 years ago, we're missing the heart of God. The goal brings us to dynamic, healthy, vibrant life that's fresh every day. Amen? Song of Songs says this, Behold, the winter has passed and the spring has come. It's been dark long enough. In your health, in your family, in your communities, in your schools, it's been dark long enough. We believe the light of Calvary is shining bright in our nation. We believe the light of Calvary is making a difference in people's hearts. We believe the light of Calvary can change our lives even today. But how do we see that light break out in our world? I was in Aberdeen a few days ago. I went swimming in the new swimming pool in Aberdeen. Who's been there? Two of you. (laughs) It's not that far away, you know. (laughs) And in this amazing uh, swimming pool in Aberdeen, they have this wave machine, and it makes waves. And I watched it, and every wave is identical. Every wave is the same height, the same width, breaks in the same place. It's a man-made wave. But as I left the, the swimming pool, I came out and saw three very brave men surfing in the North Sea. Who's seen them? Anyone? But I noticed that every single wave that was breaking on that coastline was all different, was all unique. None of them were the same. They were all different. You can anticipate where the wave's going to break inside the pool, but on the sea, you have to watch, you have to wait, you have to position yourself so that when the wave comes, you're in the right place doing the right thing. And I believe that God is wanting to pour out his spirit afresh upon our nation. Wanting to pour out the Holy Ghost upon our hearts. But if we're not in the right place, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or relationally, when that wave comes, it will just pass us by. But if we watch the waves, when it comes, we start to position our surfboard in the right place, and we start to paddle That wave has the power to lift you up and to carry you to see amazing things. It's about being in the right place at the right time. Amen? Are you still with me? Great. And I also want to share just three quick points this morning about how we position ourselves to see a new day dawn in our lives. How we position ourselves to see a new day dawn in our communities and our families. I have a daily reading Bible, which means I read the Bible every day in this book. (laughs) And I hate March and April. Why? Because in March and April, I always come through Numbers. Numbers is the most exciting book in the Bible. Who's ever read Numbers without falling asleep? And I'm reading through Numbers and thinking, God, what was going on? Was Moses having a bad day? Because it's just a long list of facts and figures. And it's just so boring. I said, God, there must be something in this passage that is even slightly interesting. Paul, no, Paul says to Timothy 2, Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is God-breathed. 
For this bit, I don't know what Dr. Shaw about, but if you want to just turn to Numbers chapter 2 and Numbers chapter 3, we just want to share a little revelation that God gave me a few years ago that I think will be really helpful for us as we look out about our journey into moving into the new things. So Numbers chapter 2, verse is 2. I'm reading through this long list of names and figures and numbers and I said, God, is there, one, is there anything you want to say to me in this passage? In Numbers chapter 2, verse 2, there's a little phrase that just jumped out of the scriptures and hit me between the eyes. And it says this, towards the sunrise. Judah will camp towards the sunrise. Do you see that? Have you got it? And if you have Numbers chapter 3, verse 38, it says... It says, Moses and Aaron and his sons, the priests, will camp towards the sunrise. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Excited? No, obviously not. Now, in the tribal layout, this is the boy for a second, but just bear with me. On the north side, you have the tribe of Dan with Asher and Naphtali next to him. On the west side, you have Ephraim camped with Manasseh and Benjamin. On the south side, you had Reuben, Simeon, and Gad camped. So on the east side of the tabernacle in the wilderness, you had three tribes. You had Judah, flanked by Issachar and Zebulun. Moving inside, you had the the tents of the priests Aaron and all the priestly clan. Moving inside again, you had the tents of Moses. Then moving in again, you had the tent of God's presence. With me so far? Great. So what I'm saying to you is this. Every time the sun rose over the camp of Israel, the sun first and foremost lit its light upon the tents of Judah. And as the sun rose, it started to light up the tents of Aaron, the priest. As it rose high in the air, it lit up the tents of Moses, and eventually, as the sun rose higher, it lit up the tent of God's presence. Understand? And I believe today there's a pattern here that God has recorded in Scripture that help us bring about a new day in our lives. Now, I can't manufacture a wave. I can't make a wave happen. All I can do today is help you to be in the right place at the right time so when the wave comes, you'll be ready. Do you understand where we're going this morning? Fantastic. Okay, Judah meant praise. The name Judah means praise. And God wants to birth in our hearts a vibrancy and a passion for praise. We're not here just to sing songs. This is not the scouts. It's not campfire singing. This is worship. And worship, it says in Psalm 22, that worship is inhabited by God. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. That as we praise God with a heart that overflows with thanks and praise to him, God actually comes and inhabits our praises. Our worship is not just us singing to God, it's an invitation for God to come. As we sing songs, heaven can invade earth. And I love it in the Old Testament where the people, the priests, worship God. The 24 banks of Levites worship God. As they worship God, the Shekinah glory of heaven fell down as a cloud and filled the tabernacle. Wouldn't it be great if the presence of God could come to this place? 
and so drenches with his glory that we could never be the same again. See, I'm hungry for more of God. I've been a Christian for 30 odd years and I'm still desperate for more of God. Because I know there's more in God's heart. We need to be people who can worship Christ with all our hearts. See, the songs we sing can change the spiritual climate over our lives, change the spiritual climate over our communities, and change the spiritual climate over our families. If you go to football matches, you'll hear a famous chant. It goes like this. You only sing when you're winning. Sing when you're winning. Okay. I'm not a worship leader, so you can forgive me for that. (laughs) It's easy to sing when you're winning. But God wants to put a song in your heart when you're not happy, when you're miserable. It was Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, we hung up our hearts. They required of us the Lord's song. And we said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Now, let me tell you today, if you can't sing when you're losing, you never sing when you're winning. If you can't find the song of faith rising in your hearts, when you feel that all is lost, all is broken, then you never sing when you're winning. It's Job that says, where now is the God of hosts, the Lord of hosts, who gives songs in the night? One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 57. Psalm 57 is one of those amazing passages by David. And introduced in Psalm 57, David is in the cave of Adullam. He's running for his life. He's fleeing from Saul, who's threatened to spear him, literally. And he's scared to death. But all the time he's got in his heart echoing the promises of God. God's anointed him. God's called him. God's chosen him. Yet he feels that he's so far away from the palace because he's sat in a cave. And he says these words in Psalm 57. Awake my soul. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. David says, I will awaken the dawn. Khan de Leach, two famous Hebrew scholars, say this. Some kings are awakened by the dawn. Other kings awaken the dawn. Are you someone today who is subject to circumstance? So when the clouds roll in, you get depressed and down. Or are you someone who sings in the barren times? Sings in the broken times and sees a new day dawn. David says, I will Waken the dawn. I will herald forth in my life, in my family, in my community, a new day. It's been dark long enough, and this has to change. When we have lost it all, when it's so dark and so barren, we believe that we can hang, we sing a song that causes light to break out in our darkness. Paul and Silas, they go to Philippi. <laughs> Because God has told them to go to Philippi. They've heard the man of Macedonia calling them, come over to Europe, help us. And they get to Philippi, and they just share the gospel with a few people. And before they know it, they're thrown into prison. Have you ever served God, and you thought, this wasn't in the plan. This wasn't how it's supposed to work out. 
We're supposed to see salvations and miracles. And here we are, finding ourselves in prison. Sometimes serving God is a strange thing. But Paul and Silas find themselves in the prison. They were in the deepest, darkest part of the prison. It was midnight. All the sewage ran down to the bottom part of the cell where they were. It was stinky, it was smelly, it was sweaty, and it was dark. There's no light there. And at midnight, the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were there. And Paul turns to Silas and says, Silas, how are you feeling? And Silas says, I'm pretty miserable, really. I'm pretty depressed. Let's sing a song to cheer ourselves up. If you're happy and you know it, shake your chains. If you're happy and you know it, shake your chains. No, they didn't do that. It says in the original language, they began to pray, sing. They prayed as they sang. And the Bible says that as they prayed and sang, what happened? The chains around their wrists snapped off. The chains from their feet were broken. The prison doors were flung wide open. If you can sing songs of salvation in the darkest moment, there's no limit to what God can do in you and through you. He can set you free. He can set your family free. If you can find a song in your heart to sing. Today, don't surrender to circumstance. Don't surrender to the culture that surrounds you. Create a new culture in faith. Begin to sing out the songs of Zion. Believe God for the impossible in your life. See, worship is powerful for it lifts our eyes off ourselves and fixes them upon the eternal God who never changes. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, all things become possible. You're facing a mountain today. You're facing the impossible things in your life. A new day has dawned. Not because I'm here, because God is here. And he's wanting each one of us to move into our destiny. So the first tent was the tent of praise. How are we doing for time? Okay. The second tent was the tent of Aaron and his sons. They were priests. They were set aside. They were consecrated to serve the living God. And I believe that God wants to highlight a passionate praise and worship in our lives. God also wants to highlight the power of prayer. I have three hats I wear. The first hat I wear is I'm a pastor of a local church. The second hat I wear is that I oversee City Vision Rotherham, which is a network of 25 pastors who meet together once a month to pray. I also coordinate the South Yorkshire Prayer Strategy, which calls together pastors and leaders and people from across Doncaster, Barnsley, Rotherham, and Sheffield to pray. And last month, we had our first 24-hour prayer meeting. 24-hour prayer meeting. <laughs> it's wild. So I managed 22 hours, and I fell asleep. So we, we prayed together for 24 hours, because I believe that prayer changes things. Call me old-fashioned, slap me in the face, call me a liar, but I believe that prayer changes things. Now, we, we focus so much on our programs and our publicity and our profile, but the, there's more business done in the prayer meeting than there is in the business meeting. Things can change in a moment as the church gathers together to pray and seek the face of Almighty God. And I believe God's calling us to deeper levels of prayer 
to see the nations of our world and our lives change. The famous passage from 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face out of necessity and turn from their evil and wicked ways, then God will forgive their sins and heal their land. The word heal in Hebrew is rapha. The word rapha means literally to sew back together. We're surrounded by lives in our community, maybe in our families, of lives that have been ripped apart and torn apart by the ravages of this world. But God is able to sew back together, to knit back together every broken life, every damaged family, every damaged community with his grace. And as we pray together, as we seek the faith of Almighty God, he can do amazing things in bringing families back together, bringing lives that are torn apart back together. You see... We can be very activity-based as a church. We can work really hard. We can do lots of activities. But if we're going to see our climate shift, our spiritual climate shift, we have to engage in spiritual warfare and pray like we've never prayed before. We need to forge our armor and form our soldiers in the furnace of prayer. See, Jesus went to the temple during the feasts, all the years of his life. In Matthew 21, he gets to the point when he goes to the temple courts and he sees the money changers there. They had a legitimate business there to transfer money and to sell doves. But the exploited people, they used church premises for their own profit and exploitation as opposed to serving the people. Jesus throws them out and calls them robbers and thieves and says, you've turned my house. There should have been a house of prayer into a den of robbers. Our primary call as believers is to seek the face of God. If we prayed more and we would less, we'll see a lot more things change. You see, it's interesting in Matthew 21, as Jesus casts out the money changers, there's a release of his power. And next verse says this. After Jesus cast out the money changers, Matthew 21, verse 14 and 15, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. The blind and the lame came to the temple. If we can prioritize prayer as believers, as a church in the UK, we believe that the blind will see. The dead will hear and the deaf will rise. We sing it in our songs. But as we pray and believe, God can change our spiritual climate. Amen? Two more points. It's still okay. I love being part of this world, North East Scotland, because I love revivals. And I know that there were two praying women called Peggy and Christine Smith who were in the Hebrides. Peggy was almost blind. Christian, Christian was bent over with arthritis. They were 84 and 82 years old. And they prayed together for revival in the Hebrides. You probably know the story better than I do. But I believe those women who prayed and cried out to God were the catalysts of a major move of God in that part of the world. See, no, if you trace the course of revival in church history, 
Every single major move of God is always precursed by a call to prayer. Every major move of God is precursed by a call to prayer. And as we pray, we believe that God can change the atmosphere. Remember reading the story that one night at the prayer meeting in the Isle of Lewis, people were praying earnestly for God to move. And a young person came in and said, come, you have to look at this, come and see this. And the people followed him and outside the police station, he says, I saw a sight that I never thought possible. Something I shall never forget. Under a starlit sky, men and women were kneeling everywhere by the roadside, outside the cottages, behind every peat stack, crying out for God to have mercy on them and wanting someone to come and pray with them. This part of the world has had revivals in the past. But my prayer for Rotherham, my prayer for this part of the world is that God will do it again. I don't want to be a man who just reads historical narratives of what God had done in the past. I want to be a man who can see and observe with his own eyes the things that God is doing today. And I hope today there's a passion rising in your heart, a desire to see things change. You know, God comforts the afflicted, (laughs) but he afflicts the comfortable. God comforts the afflicted, but he afflicts the comfortable. God wants to step us out of our comfort zones and begin to believe for something more. See, God is birthing something in our hearts. If you go to a maternity wing in your local hospital and you walk up and down the aisles of that maternity wing, you will hear one word that gets shouted time and time again. And that word is, push! Push! And Elijah, he proclaimed to King Ahaz there will be no rain on the land until I say so. After three and a half years of barren, no rain upon the land, he, he, just, he knows that God has called him. And he goes and says, let's go and pray. And he goes and prays on the mountain. And he begins to birth something in his heart. And seven times he prays and nothing happens. And the seventh time, his servant Gehazi comes back and says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. That was a travail of his soul. He had to birth that in prayer. And I think sometimes we give up a moment before the breakthrough. God is wanting to move. He just wants us to position ourselves in praise and worship to inhabit his presence. In prayer, to push in, to see what he can do for us. See, I believe that the prayer meeting is the birthing house of revival. The prayer meeting is the birthing house of revival. So the last tent that is highlighted, the tent of Judah, the tent of the priests. The last tent is the tent of Moses. The prophet of God, the man chosen by God to speak on his behalf. I believe God wants to restore to the church in the UK his voice. We have been lullabied, that's the word, into silence. Major policies have been passed by our government that have no reflection of the glory of God. 
have no reflection of righteousness or truth. And the church is silent on these issues. We've got more important things to think about, like our style of worship or the comfort of our chairs. God wants to restore to you and me the power to proclaim his word into our world. Whether that's the gospel or truth or righteousness. And God wants to raise up men and women who will proclaim his word. On the streets with the homeless and the alcoholics. But also in the government places. Places of power and influence. That we can see the kingdom of God restored in our land. Jesus says... If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved, and it shall move. He didn't say pray about whether this mountain should move or not. He says speak to this mountain. Say to this mountain, be moved. Are you facing mountains in your life? Have you got issues in your life that are so big? Begin to speak to them in the name of Jesus. Say, this mountain, you're going to have to move out of my family. You're going to have to move out of my health. You're going to have to move out of my finances. You're going to have to remove yourself in the name of Jesus. Begin to proclaim the truth of God's word. In the AV, there's a wonderful passage, Joe 22, 28, that says this. You shall decree a thing, and it will be established unto you. And light will shine on your ways. As we begin to decree and declare the favor of God over our lives, we can see light breaking forth on our path. Illumination, revelation, and it will shine brightly on our futures. We're not speaking about positive confession. We're just simply declaring the word of God over our lives. What he has said is what he will do. Maybe you think to yourself this morning, this is impossible. I've got so many things that are dead and buried in my life. There's no way God can ever bring about a new day in my life. Maybe you've got children or grandchildren that are away from the Lord. Maybe your health is in a bad shape. Maybe your finances are out of control. Maybe you've got addictions and fears in your heart. But this morning, God can say, I will can bring about a new day in your life, a new season in your life. God took Ezekiel to a valley, and it was full of dried bones. There wasn't even a hint of life anywhere. And God says to Ezekiel, what do you see? And Ezekiel says, I see bones bleached underneath Babylonian skies. I see the broken lives of families and children. I see isolation. I see husbands and wives who are just lost and broken. Then God says to Elijah, look again. And Elijah says, I see a vast army, mighty and strong. How do you see your life? See it this morning through God's eyes, that he has a great plan. He has a great future for your life. And if you just align your life with his plan and his purpose, things will change. Walt Disney dreamed a dream. 
He dreamed a dream of building Disneyland. But unfortunately, he died before it was built. On the grand opening of Disneyland in America, was it Disney World? Disneyland, one, two. Lillian Disney, his wife, was there to open up the, the grand theme park. And the reporter was, is reported to have said to Lillian Disney, isn't it a shame that your husband wasn't here to see it? Isn't it a shame that he never saw it? And Lillian said, oh, he did. He did see it. He saw it in his dreams. And if you can't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. And that spirit of faith, that prophetic insight, I believe my children will be saved. I believe my grandkids will be saved. I believe for health. Unless you see it in revelation in your heart, you'll never see it. But just allow God this morning just to drop in a revelation of his heart into your life. What he's planning for you. And my last point this morning, as we come to a conclusion, for which we'll be greatly thank, very grateful, I'm sure. Um, the final tent that God shines the sun on is the tent of his presence. I don't know about you, but I just love the presence of God. I like singing songs, I like reading the Bible, I like doing lots of things, but there's one thing that captivates my heart. It's the presence of God. When God shows up in our meetings, when God shows up in our prayer time, when God reveals himself to us, it's those moments that make life worth living. Now, at one level, God is here. He always has been here and he always will be here. The Bible says the whole earth is filled with his glory. We we never go anywhere to escape from his presence. Jesus promises to be with us, so we know that he's with us. But I believe that God in this day wants to manifest his presence. That his presence will be made known amongst his people. When the unbelievers and the backsliders come into the presence of God, into the meetings, they sense the presence of the living God. I'm so hungry for the presence of God. I'm so hungry for the world to see the presence, because in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. And pleasures forevermore. Moses says, Lord, unless your presence goes with us, do not send us up from here. We're just desperate for your presence. Have you been under a cloud for a long time? Are you sat here this morning wishing that God would just bring about a new day in your lives, in your health, in your finances, in your families? Are you desperate this morning for God to do something fresh? This is a moment for you to connect with God. I just want to ask that if you need a breakthrough this morning, if you need a new day to dawn on your lives... I just want you to raise your hand up this morning in the air and we'll just pray with you as we conclude this morning. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Let's just every head 
bow, every eye closed. Not going to embarrass anybody this morning. But I just sense in my spirit there's people here who need to say, God, I want a new day in my life. That's you this morning. Just put your hand up where you are. I'll just pray with you as you bring this meeting to a conclusion. Thank you. Any more? Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let's just pray right now. Jesus. Oh God, Lord Jesus. Father God, today you know the longing of our hearts. You know the deep cry of our spirit today, Lord. We just need you to move in our situation. We need to move in our lives. God, we can't remain in darkness anymore. A new day has come. We want to rise up, Lord God, and move into it. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that all those who responded in their hearts to you this morning, you just come right now and begin to quicken their spirits. Quicken their hearts right now, oh God. Father, we just pray right now that a revelation would come to their hearts. Lord God, and you begin to move circumstances and situations that these people will be aligned with your purpose and your will. And God, we'll just see this week, Lord, a breakthrough in those situations that have been unmoving and unyielding, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we agree together. Your word declares there's power and agreement. And therefore today, we agree in the name of Jesus, Lord, that these mountains will be moved in Jesus' name. Every mountain moved in Jesus' name. We decree it and we declare it that from this moment, oh God, every mountain that stands against your purpose and your will will be removed in Jesus' name. Oh God. And Father, we just pray that a fresh anointing, a fresh revelation of your love and power will come upon each one of us in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And just pray, God, that you'll bless us and just stir our hearts to believe for even more. In Jesus' name, amen.